Right, we are live. It tells me we're live. Every video starts the same with me in wonderment that the technology has worked, but we're live. Uh, welcome to the Confidence Academy podcast. This is TCA Live. This is the live episode that streams every Thursday, 8 p.m. And this week I'm joined by Deborah Edwards, who was my guest on the show this week. Deborah, welcome back. Thank you so much. It's so fun to be here with you live. I know, so fun. And uh, it's nice to see your face because obviously on the other podcast, they couldn't see your beautiful face and now we can see it. So Thank it's you. fabulous. Um, so for those of you watching on the replay, first of all, hello, welcome to you. I don't know why I always salute, it's becoming a thing. Um, but thank you for joining us for the replay. Um, if you are watching on the replay, you can still put your comments and your questions below in the chat box. So wherever you're seeing this on YouTube, Facebook or Instagram, wherever it may be, pop your comments into the comment box below and I will circle back and make sure that Deborah sees them if they're for her and I will answer them myself if they are for me. So I can see we've got some viewers. I'm going to have a little look um, to see who's who. Oh, I need to... I need to shut myself up because it's like delay. <laughs> okay, so we are talking. I wanted to call it navigating addiction. So it's a slight, it's a slight sidestep from what we covered on the podcast, but in other ways, it's completely exactly what we covered on the podcast. Mm -hmm. So I would love Deborah for you to kick off with sharing your experience. Just to, for anyone that hasn't listened to the podcast yet. Um, or that isn't familiar, um, let's just get a little background on your story so that people can understand why we're talking about this tonight. Mm, yeah, absolutely. So I wrote a book called Hi, uh, A Story of Addiction, Awareness and Ascension. And it really is like, like it encompasses my own journey um, separate from my son's addiction, but also my journey, my journey with my son throughout that. And uh, I think, you know, the navigating word is actually a perfect word because in, in terms of addiction, when you have a loved one that's going through an addiction or battling an addiction, you, you want to bring solution to it, right? And it really isn't something that is that crystal clear or black and white. It really is about how do I navigate it well? So I love actually that you chose that title because it is a, one of the most difficult things to navigate, especially when it's your child that's mm. uh, going through an addiction. And there's all kinds of forms of addictions, right? In our case, my son uh, started to use drugs and then he ended up being addicted to heroin, which is kind of a significant sort of drug to be addicted to, right? So um, I wrote the book, two reasons. One, to give hope that the outcome can be different because Andrew is now almost six years sober and has his own business and is doing very well. Uh, and my life went from having imploded to, you know, I have a successful business and uh, a really yummy relationship. And so a lot of that really uh, stems from uh, learning how to navigate things maybe a little differently, you know, from uh, this is happening to me to what do I do with this from I can't control this to what is the decision for me to make that allows for a better unfolding and and especially when navigating addiction like that's key right the, that I that I come to recognize I can't solve that 
even though I desperately want to? And so what are the things I can do to position that loved one, my son, to solve it? Right. 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 And this is the thing, I think. This is what I loved about your story is because it, it's it's not just you. You know, it would be a powerful conversation anyway to, to interview anybody that's um, navigated their own addiction and come through it. I mean, that in itself would be inspiring. But what I love about your story is it wasn't your addiction. And I think with that, I mean, th there's an argument, isn't there? Because I think if it was your own addiction, you might still feel like you didn't have control over it. But there is this there's this kind of belief somewhere along the line that if it's your addiction at some point, you get to stand up and take some responsibility or take control of it or whatever, whatever's going to happen. It's all you. Whereas your story is you have, you really did have to navigate because this wasn't you. This was someone very dear to you. Like, you know, and as a parent, we just always want our kids to be okay. That's all you ever want, right? You just want them to be okay. You want mm -hmm. them to be safe and you want them to be happy. And if they don't seem like they are, it it's like on the one hand, you you try and bowl in and just make it better, right? I see that. I mean, I've seen myself do that as a parent. I've got three kids and I see myself do it a lot. Like I saw my kid at a party once being pinned against um, a bouncy castle. And I really had to stop myself from going over because I was like, I could, he wasn't in danger it just wasn't a nice situation and I immediately wanted to make it better and I had to have a chat with myself and say, no, he needs to, I need to watch what he does. And obviously if it gets out of hand, I'm going to step in, but I can't go swooping in because I'm not always going to be there. Um, so I totally get that instinct. So I think the difficulty is when it's a loved one, whether that's a son or a parent or even a friend, you know, you just can't. It, it has to be their journey and you have to find a way to navigate that alongside them whilst also looking after yourself, navigating your own feelings about that. I can only imagine as a parent what goes through your mind when something like that occurs. Um, so, you know, you're trying to help them and at the same time you're trying to figure out like how did this happen and what could I, could it have been different, you know? Um, and that's what I love about your story. And I think, you know, as well as that, and of course, there are multiple kinds of addictions. It's not just drugs. There are many, many addictions. And actually, they can be as serious. It doesn't, you know, there is, I don't think there's any sort of rule that says, oh, if you're addicted to this, then it's worse than if you're addicted to that. At the end of the day, an addiction is an addiction. And often, I think it's a sign of um, something else going on, right? It, there's a reason why that's occurred. Mm -hmm. um so i think there's that but i also think that what your story brings is another opportunity to see how even in that awful situation there was still the chance to stop and go how is this for me and and what can i take from this like how can i stop myself from completely losing control of everything and just falling in the hole which is what so many of us would do I think or feel like we were going to do and at the same time that would feel like the only option at the same time so I know that we spoke about this a little in your episode but again there are going to be people seeing this that maybe haven't heard the episode yet if you haven't heard it yet go and listen it's on the Confidence Academy podcast um, but we always get a different perspective when we do these live 
um, interviews as well. So I would just love to go over for you, at what point did you find yourself asking that question? Because I think in the beginning, I think there must have been a reaction first. Am I right? Or did you straight away go, oh, this is for me and what am I going to do about it? Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> you you are absolutely right in that it's almost like there's some phases to it and and you know to connect to what you said this is absolutely right that the especially the you know the parent in us the mother in us we see a situation like you described you know your kid in the bouncy thing and the situation looks like we we by our very nature it's in our dna as female mother I'm not saying it's not uh, father as well, right? To, uh, though I think mother tends to do it a little bit um, more readily, right? Mother bear wants to protect and oh, solve, yeah. right? It's the nurture in us to, to dial that back a little bit. So there you are. And, and initially when, this, when it's like, I can speak, you know, my father was an alcoholic, a lifeline alcoholic. So I can speak to it on that end. But as it relates to my son, as I'm seeing it happen, initially, my mind is doing the, the mama problem solve. What, like, how, how do I fix this? What does he need? What, how did this happen? Like, how, is it really this bad? Like, you go through some denial. You, you, you don't want to believe what is happening is really happening. Mm -hmm. And then when you get to the place where, where you accept what's happening, you're still trying to figure it out. You're still trying to say the right thing, do the right thing, provide the right support, shift their focus, whatever it is. Like you grasp for everything that you can find. And then you come to the place, uh, hopefully you come to the place where you realize you cannot choose them into a choice, right? right. I can't mm -hmm. choose for him. I'm recognizing now there's nothing for me to do except hold loving boundaries, hold, hold belief. You know, they talk about tough love. I like to call it strong love because I'm still, tough love might say, uh, you have to go on your own and figure it out. Strong love is you have to figure it out. I love you. I'm here, right? Mm -hmm. But I'm not going to enable this anymore. Mm -hmm. so, so you have to figure it out. I can't, I can't make this choice for you. Uh, like my love for you is never going away. And mm. every time you're fighting for it, I'm right there, right? Yeah. But this is yours to figure out. I can't mm. do it for you. And that's, that's when the navigating really begins because before you're trying to, you're trying to fix it, right? And it's not in your control. So that, that, then, okay, like how, how do I deal with this unbelievable sea of emotions that's happening within me because fear, like it just, it's so thick because you know what the possibilities are. You got to redirect your thought. You got to put yourself back on the path of belief and you got to get your eyes on your own road because Fine. when they see you confidently pursuing your road and you're staying in a place of love and belief, even though it's hard, right? Mm -hmm. Because there are days it's excruciating. They mm -hmm. make no mistake. They take notice. Yeah. And and then they're in a position to go, okay, like I do have to choose this. And mm -hmm. so what am I do? And your your prayer is that they that they do that as quickly as possible, right? That they begin to right choose next right step one at a time, slow, mm -hmm. right? 
Yeah. So difficult because I think, you know, like with anything that happens to us in life, I think there's that, there's the initial like shock of, oh my God, this is what I'm facing. Right. Then you go through, then, then depending on the sort of person you are, I think you then either retreat away and just go, oh God, I hope this goes away. Or you come out fighting and I'm definitely that sort of person. I'm like, right, it is what it is. Bring it. Like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And that can be good, but it's not always good when it's not my thing. And like you just said, you know, when it's their thing, actually that energy can can be a little bit jarring, I think. Because it's like, okay, well, we've got to fix this. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Like, oof, I'm with you. I'm going to pump you up. And like, that <laughs> isn't what they need. And, you know, ultimately you just want it to go away and it's not going away so there has to come this time of it's that surrender isn't it and i think so many people feel like surrender is giving up or surrender is saying it's okay that this is happening and that's not what surrender is but surrender is acknowledging what you have control over and letting go of everything you don't have control over and it's the mm -hmm. hardest thing to do uh it is and especially when it's your when it's your child right so oh, and it is the yeah. trust right to surrender is to trust that yeah. and when you can't actually see that the solution that you want that the healing that the outcome that you want is is visible yeah claiming that can be challenging we talked a little bit about that before right like right Right. And I think that trust piece is, is, is important that you've said that. And it's hard enough to trust ourselves in a situation when we don't know what we're going to do and we don't know how we're going to feel. But to have to trust another person when you so desperately want the outcome that you want, like I can't even begin to imagine how difficult that must have been. Can you talk us through if it's possible at all, the process of that. And as you're doing that, I'm just going to run and get my charger because my iPad is going to die. <laughs> um, so if you could just talk us through, like if you even can, because I, I'm guessing a lot of the time, like it was maybe just reactive and it may not even be that you have the clarity around that anymore. But if you can put into words the process you had to go through because I'm guessing it wasn't just one time surrender either. It must have been surrendering over and over and over and over again for yourself and for your son. So if you can talk us through that and I'm just gonna run and get the charger while you do it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. You're right. It is it is in surrendering over and over and over again because you especially, you know, when somebody is is trying to come out of an addiction it's not something that, you know, it's not a one and done. And, and I really early on believed that, you know, some of the, the, the program that Andrew went in, which was called teen challenge, you know, back the initial um, uh, recovery uh, phase, you know, they would tell me that it, relapse is part of the deal, but that's something I didn't want to take on. And then as that became very evidently true, uh, I then had to figure out, okay, like relapse may happen more than once. And so then how do you, the, how do you stay uh, engaged? How do you stay strong, uh, uh, solid, grounded for your loved one, at, at not lose yourself, not lose your stability? And for me, that was a, a learned process over time. It was in uh, incorporating things like um, 
uh, yoga and meditation and uh, grounding myself in my in my core beliefs, which, you know, I believe in divinity. I believe uh, that our path unfolds. I believe, like we talked about before, that we all have a purpose and that our life's experiences uh, within our life's experiences come out our purpose, right? So if I believe all of those things, then I've got to put that into action. And so I would check myself, right, on the regular. If you believe this, then let's, then let's take action as if you do believe it. And I would uh, take myself to yoga when I was about to fall apart so that I could get grounded and feel the connection with spirit and feel this calmness of, and peace come on. Or I would go climb a mountain when when yoga wasn't the answer for me. I would go climb a mountain because I needed something a little bit more physical, right? To just bring me back to center. And it was in me bringing me back to center and, and reconnecting with those core beliefs that really would take me next step, next step, next step. So it was eyes off of him and eyes on my road, eyes on my beliefs, trusting no matter what. When he reached out or you know tried to connect or ask for help or this or that, I had to govern every single one of those situations by uh, what does he need and, and, and what does he not need? And sometimes what does he need is me not doing anything, right? right. Mm. Not, me, me not offering support financially, me not showing up, me saying, how are you going to figure it out? But doing it in a loving way. Because mm. it's, uh, it is uncomfortable and it's painful. And so sometimes what comes out of us is um, it doesn't come out as loving, right? It comes, it comes out uh, in, in a more frustrated way. And I learned that that is super ineffective. I also learned that no amount of you telling them how painful it is for you is going to help the situation. In fact, it drives them toward their addiction and not away from it. So it isn't about you. And you, you got you to sort of ditch that. And I did it, right? I was like, do you not see how this is affecting me? It... it, it uh, for for whatever reason, like you're like you're just trying everything to get them to wake up, and and then you realize that's okay. It's not for me. And yeah. the other thing I want to say is every time you you try and solve for them, and this this I'm really love that you had that awareness in that moment with the bouncy thing because because every time you try and solve for them, what you communicate silently is that you don't believe they can handle it. Yeah. And that's huge. It's huge when they're growing up and it's huge when they're in addiction, right? Mm -hmm. Every time I run in to fix it for you, I'm telling you, you can't do it. Yeah, that's such a good point. And actually, I've had experience of that, not in an addiction sense, but with money, where growing up, um, I don't know, I think in the beginning, like it wasn't even like serious issues with money. I just if I needed money, my, my dad would just give me, give it to me and that was fine. And then I moved out and, and then it started being like little bills, like 20 quid here, 20 quid there. Like, oh, oh, I don't have it, can't pay it. And he'd be like, oh, okay, like there it is. So in the moment it felt really, really helpful. Like, cheers, that's 20 quid. I haven't got to find it, awesome. But actually as I got older and as it became more of an issue and the the ask the the loans I was asking for got much bigger, and then the implications of not paying got way more serious. I realized at some point that there was this it was this um energy leak, and I'd got myself into a situation. I don't even know if this is relevant, but it's coming through, so here we go. 
Um, but I'd got myself into this situation where I truly believed I didn't have what it takes to, to do what I needed. So I had no choice but to ask for the help. But every time I asked for the help, it actually hurt me. Like it was physical pain and emotional pain because I just thought I, I can't stand on my own two feet. The guilt and the shame of not being able to do that and like everything that piles on top. So I, I really get that. And yeah, you're completely right. Um, I'm so interested to know there's a bunch of questions that were like popping into my head as you were talking and hopefully I'll I'll catch all the threads that are coming through. Um, I think, first of all, I'm just interested to know your point of view on addiction. Do you feel like addiction is on any level a choice or is it like an, an illness that can't be helped? Or is it a choice to begin with that then tips into an illness? I just would love to get your perspective on that because I think there are different points of view on what addiction actually is, you know? Mm -hmm. There absolutely are different points of view. There is a lot of stigma and judgment. And here's, here's what I uh, have experienced as the truth. Having a father who was a lifelong alcoholic and a son who right? Like, and here I am in the middle, like, how, how does this happen? Right? Yeah. Yes. The answer is yes. So there are some people who genetically, there's something within them that creates the uh, anxiety and um, uh, sort of a mind process that lends itself to want to take a substance and solve for it. Right? Like, mm -hmm. You know, for some people, it is that they're trying to calm their anxiety. Yeah. For other people, they make a decision. And in, and honestly, in Andrew's case, it was probably a combination of both, if, you know, to be honest. It, 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 and he would even say that too. Um, but there comes a point where you could think n like nothing about it, right? Life could be normal uh, and you could go to a party and try a drug that you don't realize what the addictive properties are. You don't understand right. the physiological response. Mm. And you're off to the races like that because that's what that drug does. So it's both because like, for instance, as it relates to meth or heroin, you like, even just those words, I'm just like, oh, like I can't even imagine, uh, you know, what physically that would be like having witnessed it but it literally is in your system. And before you know it, your body, your body literally is craving it to the point of you need to make whatever that feeling is stop. Mm. Right. And then it's just this vicious cycle. Yeah. So it's, it's uh, in my experience, which is, it's my viewpoint, right? It's my vantage point. It's both. Yeah. Yeah. I totally get that. And I think my my reason for asking that question was you've spoken a lot about how you had your eyes on your own path. And I totally get that that would be for self-preservation, if nothing else. Right. You need your own strength. You need your own wits about you to even deal with this on a day to day basis. So that would be a great decision for that purpose as well. But I also feel like if there's any chance that the addiction is on any level of choice and that the person is still in there within that shell right then you doing those positive things taking those positive steps demonstrating strong love as you called it 
that is going to speak directly to the soul of the person. And I just have this belief. This is just my belief. And I don't put my beliefs on anyone else. I just share what I think. I just believe that the soul is the soul. And no matter what happens to the shell, you can get to it, right? When my nanny, my grandma, was 94, she got very depressed. She ended up in a, an old people's home for a couple of weeks because she couldn't go home. It wasn't safe. And she fell into deep, deep depression while she was in there to the point where she wouldn't communicate. She wouldn't speak. You'd mm. go in and she'd just have her eyes closed. She, like, she didn't even want to look at you. And I started to think to myself, like, what would I do for a friend who was that sad? And I thought, you know, I'd make them a vision board because I think no matter how depressed a person is, no matter how lost they seem, no matter how much of the person seems to be gone, I still think you can speak to the soul. And I thought for a 94 year old, a vision board might not be the right thing because at 94, who knows, <laughs> right? It's 94. But instead, I made her a board of inspiration and I just got all the things that I knew she would love. Pictures of the queen, quotes from the Bible, pictures of her favorite plants, like loads of family photos. And we just had it in her room and slowly but surely she started to come back. And I think that's not always going to be possible, but that's just my belief. And I even believe that. And this is maybe a bold statement and, you know, anyone can come at me with your point of view if you disagree with this i'm not saying this is gospel i'm just saying this is my belief that that's true even in the case of you know um when someone has dementia or when somebody's really poorly where the person is so say gone i still think the soul is in there and i think you know using dementia as a an example it's shown because when they play the music the music moves that person you get that person back for the length of time that that song is on. And I just think, you know, so all of that to say, I think it was so powerful that you made that decision to, to, to lead by example, right? To go, okay, well, it was a bit like I said before, you have to look at what can I control? Well, I can't control that person because at this point they can't control themselves, but I can control my choices and I can control what I decide to do. And then I do wonder how much, and I'd love to hear what you think, but I do wonder how much of that attributed to Andrew's eventual turnaround, because I wonder if just a bit of him saw that, even if consciously he wouldn't know that that was what was happening. What Do you think that was what happened? <laughs> um, I, I love the connection that you, you made with the vision board and it speaks to focal point, right? Like mm. if I have a, a point of attraction that I can look at that takes me to a certain place that connects me in a certain way that allows me to shift. And that's true for us individually. And it's true for what you created for her. And I believe that to be true for Andrew. What's interesting about the fact that you brought that up is uh, right before I put him on the plane for this, what to be like, in my view, this is the last time, right? Dude, you're going to California, go get it together. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm driving away, I'm, I'm exhausted, right? And in my head, not from within me, right? Like, I, I, I feel like you know what, what I'm talking about when I say that came, mm -hmm. model, the rise. I talk about this in the book, model the rise. And I was like, right. And I'm still driving. 
and and uh, I'm continuing on thinking I don't even know what that is right like and then it came in again and wow. I mean when that happens you have to pay attention yeah. right like I wasn't choosing the message the message came and if the message came what am I to do with this and so I was like okay that's what we're doing right so I that's that's my focus like I've got to demonstrate and that even if it's subconscious, and I believe it to be subconscious, right? That somebody is seeing the example of somebody completely reinventing their life, right? Andrew would say, I asked him about this actually. And he said, I never saw you as not that person, but I do believe that subconsciously it was happening where he was seeing me continue on and begin to build and have success and have wins. And it gave him a little bit of belief himself yeah. because this is the, this was the point in the journey where he began to take the next right step and the next right step. Yeah, that's given me head to toe body chills. I just think that's, I mean, you know, I talk a lot about the fact that we're always guided, that we're infinitely loved, that we're on a path and that, you know, that we can't fail and that, you know, I, I just so believe that intrinsically. And, you know, I speak to some people who don't have that belief and that's completely fine. That's their, that's their belief. But sometimes when I do that, it, it might for a minute make me go, oh, maybe I'm silly to believe that. Maybe I'm silly to have that belief. And then I just come back to, but I know my experiences. I absolutely right. know, you know, and maybe I'm just nuts or like, and I'm just hearing these voices. But to me, it feels <laughs> like guidance. And you know, mm -hmm. if, if I've never heard somebody articulate what I believe so clearly that that why you're here is for a purpose what you're being faced with is for a reason and you have everything you need to come through and you've got this cheerleading team with you all the way and they will tell you what to do and what I love about it and it's such a beautiful full circle moment because we just talked about how we mustn't you know expect anyone to save us number one and how we mustn't try and save others either that it has to be their path it's the same, isn't it? Yeah, this guy, it is. they didn't they didn't swoop down and go, it's okay, like we're gonna help him. They were like, No, you've got this, we're just gonna be here. But you know, much like you were doing for him, your guides were doing it for you. And they were like, yes. dude, you've got this, but this is like we're just gonna give her a little like oh, more yeah. of a rise, like yeah. that's what you need to do. Do you know what I mean? Like slip her a little, like it's just a little backhander just for a bit of help, you know, because she looks knackered, so let's give her a help. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. This is, amazing. I'm, amazing. I'm in 100% alignment with you and in terms of this is also my truth, right? Yeah. And I yeah. live my life as such. So so when a moment like that happens, I heed it. I, I, I pay attention. I take note. And I think when when you're when you've practiced presence, in other words, I'm like so present in the moment that I'm not just um, hearing you, but I'm, I'm like, uh, I'm seeing and feeling everything around me and everything before me and everything after me and like, what is here? And, and when you, when you're there, then those moments, like you're, you're open and ready for that. And, and it's being in, in the present moment that allows you to receive it. I believe. Yeah. Because yeah. if my mind was elsewhere and, you know, I'm trying to fix or whatever, or I'm, I'm, lamenting on uh, poor poor me for this very uh, hard and horrible situation i'm not gonna, i'm not hearing right right 
Yeah, it's a frequency, isn't it? It is a frequency. It's like tuning into a radio. Um, I so believe that. I'd, I'd also love to ask the question, and it's maybe an impossible question to answer because you, there may be no way of knowing, but was there a moment when you felt that tipping point where you just saw something shift and you were like, I think, I think this might be all right. I think he might have just turned a corner or he might have just picked up what I was laying down. Or was there any moment where you started to think, we're turning a corner or did it just has it just been in hindsight where you've gone wow look how far we came but all the way along it just felt like we weren't getting anywhere how how was it for you so the 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 turning the quarter moment like okay i think we're going to get somewhere like i had a couple of moments like that earlier on but it really didn't happen where i really felt like oh okay there's been a shift until Andrew was in California and he was faced with a situation that could have caused him to, to step right back into his addiction, but he didn't. And that, that first moment where he talked through that decision with me, like he told me about the moment and then what he ended up deciding, that was the first moment I was like, okay, something's happened. Awesome, right? Like hands off, let him keep going. And then right. it was a year after that that I was like, all right, we're like, we're on we're on a road now, right? Yeah. 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 That's powerful. And I but think there were some um, tragic moments before that where I had to make decisions that I knew if I I could go this way or this way, but what am I communicating, right? And I'm going to have to make this choice and trust that ultimately we're going to get where where I dream that we can get, right? Yeah, yeah. And that was kind of what I wanted to say because I think it's often, that's faith, isn't it? Faith, mm -hmm. having true faith is having faith in the absence of any proof that what you've got faith in is right, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like it's easy to have faith when when your faith is being backed up, right? But when when there is an absence of anything, faith faith is still going. I this is still what I'm choosing to believe, and I don't know why, but it just feels good to believe that, or like this is just what I'm choosing. It mm -hmm. has to be this way, mm -hmm. um, and I'm guessing it must be an ongoing thing. You know, it must be a, a continual journey and. You mentioned earlier, obviously, they warned you early on of the um, the fact that yeah. there may be a relapse and that it may come around again. So I'd be really interested as well to know, how do you navigate this now? Because I think, again, lots of people live their life in fear. They live their life in fear of, oh, my God, what if this happens? Like whether they've whether it's happened before and they got through it and they just don't want it again or whether they, they just watch the news and they just see what's happening around the world to all the other people and they're just sat there going, oh Christ, I don't want this for myself. I could never deal with that. How do you navigate? Because that must be a daily decision as well to not be sucked down by the what ifs and oh my God, what if this happens? What if that happens? I'd love to just speak on that for a minute. I, I love that you brought that up because that's true and it applies well beyond this situation right and and early on you're way into that what if kind of thinking 
Yeah. And you run a million scenarios in your mind, right? And then you realize how unhealthy that is for you. Because nowhere in that process did did you come up with any conclusions and all you really did was put yourself in a state of fear and anxiety. Yeah. It applies to what you're saying. Like there's so many things happening in the world and it's really easy for us to lock onto that and bring that into our world, right? Mm -hmm. So as it relates to staying on that path, like it, uh, don't think that you won't be triggered somehow. Like Andrew may be a little bit wobbly, you know, like uh, you know what it's like to be an entrepreneur, right? So there's wobbly moments in that. And and maybe he's talking to me about it. And and there there's an, an initial, oh gosh, what like, what if this, don't, mm, nope. You begin to catch yourself much more quickly when you have awareness about it. Yeah. And you just let, right? Like if I believe the unfolding for me, I believe the unfolding for him. So just make space for him and, and be available. But also don't let it so far into your world, right? Because mm -hmm. like I had to do this with uh, everything that was happening in our world with COVID and also here in the U U.S. with politics. Because it was the, the energy about it was just so um, and negative and destructive. So I had to start separating myself thinking, all right, you know, uh, there's nothing for me to do as it relates to all of that. There's nothing for me to do for Andrew in terms of his active situations, if you will. Mm. Uh, but what is for me to do is where I can make contribution and where I can make progress and, and what's what's in my world. So it's a recentering and a recentering and a recentering. Yeah. And I, I think you've said it, you know, this is something that we all have to learn to do, whether you've been tested massively in your life or whether you feel you haven't, there's always an opportunity to fall into fear and to fall into this, you know, oh my God, what if this happens? What if that happens? Yada, yada. And, you know, I mean, a hundred percent of the time worrying about that has never given us the tools to then come through it if it happens. Right. So, right. Like when, and I know that sounds flippant and it's, it's hard to remember that when you're in a moment of fear, but when you're not in the moment of fear, it's just helpful to remember that. But, you know, I, you know, I actually had a conversation a couple of months ago and it's got a brilliant ending by the way. And I mean, this is, you know, compared to what we've just been talking about, this is lighthearted stuff, right. But it still drives the point home. So we, we're in a position where we needed a new car. It was evident that our car had had it. It's old. It was rickety. You know, the tires were going flat. It needed so much work. And I took it to some guy that we know. And he was just like, yeah, no, it's done. And we, at that point, we had no way of getting a new car, of even leasing a car, no way of getting any credit. There was just no feasible way, physical way I could see that we would be able to replace that car. It would have been so easy for me to get into, oh, God, I can't have a car. And, oh, my God, what am I going to do? Blah, blah, blah. But, and um, I remember having a conversation with one of my members of the family. And they were like, what are you going to do? Like, they were terrified for us. Like, but what are you going to do without a car? You've got three children. They've got to get to school. Sophia's got nursery. Like, you've got to do this. You've got to do that. Like, what are you going to do? And I was just like, it'll work out. It, it, it has to. It always does. And they were like, but how? I don't know. That's not my job. I just know that it will. And then, and I was like, I'll get a new car. And they were like, how can you say that and be so certain? And at one point, they actually said, I need to learn how to not be so anxious because I don't understand how you're not anxious about this. And I said to them, because being anxious about it isn't going to get me a car. <laughs> like, 
that's definitely not going to help. So instead, I'm just going to chill. It's going to be all right. Whatever. I completely released it. Long story short, I got gifted some money that was completely unexpected. And I bought myself a car. I've got a very nice BMW now. Thank you very much. And it like, and I saw, I um, I spoke to that person recently on the phone and I was like, I told you I'd get my car, didn't I? And they were just like, like, how is that even like people? How does that work? That right? Yeah. yeah. And they, yeah. they are someone that constantly lives in fear that literally they're just afraid of everything all the time. And I know how hard it is when that's your default setting. And I'm not saying it's easy but I am saying it's a choice and you can, you can decide to make that choice, even if you're anxious about doing that, you know? Um, mm -hmm. And I mm -hmm. love that you, you, I love what you, you just said that. Brilliant. Yeah. Uh, it, and it's, it, it's a, a perfect example, right? And I was uh, one of those people who lived in a constant state of, of what if and fear and, and worst case scenario kinds of thinking. And, and I didn't realize just how destructive that was, right? And it is a choice to shift into a different mindset. And it is absolutely possible. Like I, I'm living proof of it that you, yeah. you, I don't have to bounce back to that. So for you to be able to articulate it in that moment, to see it, to understand, that it does you no good to be in anxiety about it, but to yeah. trust, right? Like we're given these amazing opportunities to exercise our faith and then have the experience of having exercised our faith. And it's fantastic. Look what happened for you, right? Yeah, yeah. Right? right? But crucially, and this is the point I want to make, I absolutely would have been okay with not getting a car as well because I trusted I was all right, no matter what. Like. I didn't have, I wasn't hanging on to an outcome. Now, as I said, that's a lighthearted example, right? And it didn't feel that lighthearted. I mean, we did need a car, but when it comes to somebody's life and when it's your children, I can imagine that that's almost impossible. And I don't know. I mean, I was about to say, I don't know if I would have the strength. Of course I would have the yes, strength you because if you're given that path, you have the strength, even if you don't feel like you have the strength. Yep. Um, but I, I guess I just wanted to really honor you for finding that strength because it's one thing to have it. It's another thing to know that it's yours and go looking for it because I'm guessing it wasn't like that strength wasn't on tap. You would have had to dig deep for that. <laughs> right. Exactly. It was no, I didn't smoothly sail into, right? Like it wasn't like that at no, all. No, yeah. no. I, yeah. I, the last question I wanted to put to you, and hello to everyone watching. I can see we've got Claire, Cornelia, Karen. Hi, girls. Thanks for joining. Um, the other question I was just so interested to ask you, because you've spoken so beautifully and eloquently about just your whole way of being throughout this whole time. And it was very much about centering back and, you know, focusing on you and coming back to your path and listening to those intuitive nudges and finding the guidance etc etc i would love to know were you a super spiritual person before this happened did you have a spiritual awakening and some kind of um experience that that made you that way before or did you find that through this experience uh i feel a little emotional right now um I have um, been a spiritual person all my life. Mm -hmm. I think we talked a little bit about having been raised. So I was raised in a Christian home, but I've had, I've had more than one mountaintop kind of experience, you know, where I've really felt 
um, bathed in in the full connection of spirit, in in the love that is God, in the love that is divinity. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have seen because I've paid attention to um, it. I've seen I've seen the interaction. I've seen I've seen things happen that wouldn't happen. I, I do not believe without the presence of of divinity. And, mm-hmm. and I say that because I, I can't really define right, but. I, I think each opportunity and experiences in my life gave me a, a greater opening, a greater awareness, a greater um, attention to the spiritual aspect of our human living. And uh, it just has, has become more and more and more. And I hope that continues for the rest of my living days, more and more and more, a bigger piece of me and the the most important rudder of my ship you know yeah yeah I love that answer I just think that's beautiful and and I think it's such I think you're giving so much hope because what you're saying is that with every experience we have no matter how big or small there's an opportunity to find faith there's an opportunity to dig in and I'm not talking necessarily about a religion or a particular belief system I'm talking about your faith that's within you we all have something we believe in, right? We all have something that guides us from the core. And I think in moments of fear, it's easy to detach from that and forget what we actually believe. And I think what you've demonstrated beautifully is in those moments, you can just go, hold on a minute. What do I actually believe though? Because I'm acting like someone who believes this, but actually in my heart, I believe that. So it's really centering and I've had those moments myself. And so I just was so interested to know if it was the same for you. I just mm-hmm. think you're such a beautiful soul. You're such an amazing lady. I Thank feel you. truly honored to have helped to have told your story on this podcast and to have been part of that. And I know that um, the plan is to get Andrew on next, isn't it? We're going to, yeah, yeah, we're yeah. going to get him on for a combo. So I'm so excited about that to everyone watching. Um, I mean, this has been such a, it feels like such a powerful conversation. I feel like we've been sat here for three minutes and it's like almost been an hour. It's just like time just went away. Um, I would love to know what you guys got from this. I would love to know if you have questions. I understand it's a very difficult topic, especially if you're someone that's in it right now. Deborah, is there somewhere that they can get support? Like tell them about your book, tell them what you do now. So for anyone that wants that, to reach out and maybe get additional support, they know where they can go for that. Absolutely. So uh, if you want to read the story, uh, it's High, uh, A Story of Addiction, Awareness, and Ascension. You can find it on Amazon. And uh, Deborah G. Edwards, Deborah, the old-fashioned way, D-E-O-R-A-H, G. Edwards is, uh, I'm the author, but that's the name that you would search. And then, you know, like if you're if you're in it, if you're in the thick of it and you just need a lifeline, email me directly, Deborah at DebraGEdwards.com. I just say, uh, you know, I heard you on uh, Lily's podcast or her Facebook live and I like have a question. I am happy to uh, connect with you and uh, answer any question, give you any amount of uh, hope in any way that I possibly can. So yeah that's such a beautiful offer thank you so much and i really really hope that anyone listening that needed this today i really hope that you will reach out if you need to because 
you know, it feel it may feel like you're on your own, but you're truly not. And none of us are meant to do this on our own either. You know, we talked earlier about, you know, taking some responsibility for, for the path that we're being shown. And that's true. But taking responsibility doesn't mean cutting off all ties to all support. Like you need that support at times. Yeah. So definitely reach out to whoever you feel that support is going to come from. And, and I really hope that you find it. As always, I would love to know what you guys got from this episode. Any questions, any comments, get in touch. You know it makes my whole day. When you guys send me emails, you can send me voice notes now, 90 second voice notes. Get on it. The links are all in the show notes if you're listening to this on the podcast. If you're watching this on a video, I'll post the links below afterwards. Um, and I just love to hear your comments and your questions. So yeah, definitely get in touch. Deborah, thank you so much for coming back again. Thank you, Lily. Always good to chat with you and connect. And we're definitely going to do this again, because not only are we going to speak to Andrew, but I believe you have another book coming out. Is that later this year now? It's the, yeah, uh, cir circumstances being considered. It's a little bit later this year, but I also tell you that I have a, I'm, I have a third book underway too. <laughs> that's all around healing, right? Uh, so amazing, amazing. Yeah. So we'll definitely stay connected then. Yeah. Um, I would love to stay connected with you. To everyone watching and listening, remember confidence is yours as soon as you choose it. Thank you for joining us. I'll be back again next week and have a wonderful week wherever you are in the world. Lots of love. Mwah. Now, this is the bit where that was a really slick ending and I'm supposed to end the broadcast and it won't be slick. So can we all just be okay with that? But I'm going to push the button now. <laughs>